Paisley. Hey everyone, it's me, Nina, and welcome back to the No Stylist Left Behind podcast. I am here by myself today. It's so strange. I am missing my partner in crime. He's actually sick. And, um, but you know, the show goes on. We still, you know, have to keep things moving, but it's so, I just have to say it's, I recorded another podcast this morning and without him and I was like missing my favorite guy. So, but we wish him well. I'm sure he'll be back and kicking soon. Uh, so no worries, but I'm really excited about our, um, our guest today because we're going to dive deep into salon ownership. We're going to dive deep into leadership we're going to talk about what it is to be a salon owner and um, you know, what, what it all really looks like, the real real of being a salon owner. And uh, I'm just excited about our guest today because he's going to give you all the goods, he's going to share all the information. So without further ado, welcome my guest today, Mr. Brian Nunes. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm so excited to have you on. I've heard so many good things about you. I'm excited to be on over on the right coast, <laughs> the opposite coast. I hate saying the right coast, but you guys like the left coast. Well, listen, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a PA girl through and through. Okay. I'm an East Coaster. Is that a thing, East Coaster? I don't know. Are you a Stiller fan? A, a Stiller or a Steelers fan? Well, I know, I know in Western PA, they call them, they say Stillers. No. You know, I'm actually not a Steelers fan. My brother is a huge, huge Steelers fan, though. Okay. Um, that's so funny. But yeah, um, this, this is going to be good. So buckle up, guys, as Jay would say. Buckle up. So why don't you just, just give us some information, a little bit about your story, name of your salon, you know, kind of how it all started, because then I want to really dive deep into all the, all the good stuff. Uh, well, I didn't grow up wanting to be a hairdresser like many people. I just sort of fell into it from uh, uh, a guy that I met when I was in school that cut my hair. I loved his life and uh, thought uh, I want to do this too because I wanted to live the life that he was living. Uh, mm -hmm. It didn't have anything to do with hair. And uh, it's just been good to me and I've met the right people along the way, really. That's really it. Um, uh, the right people to keep me in it because I've, I've gone through many career changes in life where if I didn't meet the right people, I was sort of left to my own devices, which can be dangerous. And so in this industry, I met the right people, uh, opened a salon in, let's see, 2005. And so we're getting, we're coming up on uh, 15 years of being in business. It's called Blow, B-L-O. It's in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's about 4,000 square feet. We've got over 40 team members and, um, think this year we're going to do around 3.3 million sales. Wow, I don't know if that's good or not good, but that's where we're at. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. Now, are you still working behind the chair? I am. Yeah. Not as much as I was previously or, or 20 years ago, but I still work two days a week behind the chair, uh, three weeks out of the month. Okay. Very mm -hmm. cool. Now, when you started this business, obviously it wasn't as big as it is, it is today. What walk us through that a little bit, just the start, the starting point of your business and then kind of how it started to grow over time. Yeah. I, the goal was never to grow the business. The goal was to grow people and then just sort of accept or be a part of the growth of people, not, not physically grow mm -hmm. people, but, um, <clears throat> and then just sort of accept the consequences of that. 
uh, and, uh, you know, careful what you wish for. It just, I guess it, it, it worked. And, uh, now we have, um, we focus mainly on our culture. We, we sort of say that that's our bottom line and, um, culture first. And then, uh, just the focus on that, um, good, bad, or indifferent. The, the result has been a continuous growth. The, the, the space next to me, um, it went out of business. It was one of these uh, daycare places that where you drop your kid off by the hour kind of thing and they moved. And so I didn't want a, um, you know, I didn't want a, a fish fry to open up next to me and have to deal with the smell. So I took the, the space and, and then, you know, we kind of grew into it. Wow. Well, that's a big undertaking. And I, I actually get a lot of questions from salon owners that are thinking of expanding. And I'm always hesitant with expansion because I think, you know, you kind of grew into your space, right? But a lot of times you want to make sure that your, your revenue can support going into an expansion. So what, what was that like? I mean, you just kind of went in and you're like, listen, I'm going to take over the space. I don't want to fish fry next to me. You know, did you have it all kind of planned out or was it more of like, I'm just going to do this and we're going to hope for the best kind of thing? You know, I wish that I could take credit and say, oh, you know, I did all this due diligence and it was great, but I was going through a divorce and it was less painful to be in my own thoughts than it was to just be overwhelmed. And so I chose to be overwhelmed and, and take on the, the project. And, you know, <clears throat> I heard a quote one time by one of the Wayans brothers. He said that he didn't go to college because that would have given him a plan B. And he felt like if he had a plan B, then he wouldn't have been as motivated to make plan A work. And so, you know, when you sign a lease like that, and you have a personal guarantee. Uh, there is no failing. <laughs> yeah. There's no option. I don't know if that's the smartest way to do it, but that's the way that I did it. But I can totally uh, relate to your listeners, uh, particularly now, you know, where I've got 40 team members. I have four people that um, they are the breadwinners of their house, their homes, and their, their husbands actually stay home with the kids. And so I feel an immense amount of pressure now, not for me and my own family, but, but uh, not only for me and my own family, but for them too. And I'm in the process of it, the final stages of signing a lease for another location. And uh, I don't feel like I know any more now than I did 15 years ago. I mean, I'm, in this particular case, because, you know, when I opened this original business, I had my own book to rely on. Right. Now we're opening another location with no sales at all. And, you know, the rent is double and all of those things. And so now you're, you're, you're doing math based on, you know, how many hours of time you have to sell. And uh, right. I, it's a big undertaking. I certainly understand the fear of all your listeners. And I, you know, I, I've always heard when I talk to people that have more than one, that two's the hardest one. Mm -hmm. And so I, at 51 years old, I'm not excited for that to be a truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure it won't be. I'm sure it won't be easy. Yeah. You know, nothing in life that is, you know, a living of success really is easy, right? We've got to work hard to get to that point. And so, wow, I, I'm just, I'm blown away. Haha, ha, get it? Blown away. That's your book. Uh I'm blown away by your attitude in the sense of, I love what you said when, with the quote, you know, if you have a plan B, then you're not going to go as hard for plan A. 
And that is something that I, I can really relate to. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners can too, because if you don't have options, you go with the first thing, right? You just keep moving forward with that and you keep pushing and you keep grinding because you've got nothing to fall back on. And I remember when I opened my salon, my, the first couple of years of my salon, it was no bueno. It was not, not good. And I was so stressed and I was so sick and I just was so, I was exhausted and I made so many mistakes, right? It was on me. It was my fault. But then something clicked and, you know, I, I'm in my faith and I would pray and I would say, give me something to hold on to here. Like, give me some sort of something like to let me know that I'm doing the right thing. And things started to open up and things started to change, but it was obviously my mind. I had to shift my mindset a little bit. And I remember those days of thinking, I'm going to have to close this business. And I put so much pressure on myself. Oh my God, what are people going to say? I I open this business, now I have to close it. And it's that moment where you have to dig deep and it's like failure is not an option. There is no way that I'm failing in this business. So I can relate to what you're saying in that where you just got to go full force. Mm. Did you have a moment when you got into the expansion and or even just into a, a part of your business in general where you were thinking this may not work. No, never. <laughs> uh-uh. So, I mean, I don't mean to sound, I hope that doesn't sound arrogant. I, I don't mean it to. It's just not something that ever enters my mind. I mean, I, you know, whatever it takes. Right. Whatever it takes. You know. Now, now <laughs> you know, you have to define what work means. I mean, as long as I get to keep and, and, and entertain and, and, uh, uh, indulge in my, the habits I can't break of eating and sleeping under a roof. Right. I'm good. You know, I mean, I'm blessed to not live outside of my means and, and I understand, um, the power of money. And so luckily, you know, when I go into a build out, um, you know, whether it was, uh, 15 years ago or the expansion in 2011 or this new one that's going to be going to deliver in May of 2021, it'll be a cash deal. You know, I, I won't finance the upfit. And I think, um, <clears throat> you know, as I get older, that, that that's riskier because I, I don't, you know, I, I'm on the downslope of the, of the mountain right now in life. Um, but uh, uh, me being the bank uh, takes the pressure off of me to, you know, it's, it, I mean, I'm human like everybody else, like the rest of your listeners. And I know one of the challenges that a lot of owners make, particularly depending on how they leave their existing salon to open a salon is, you know, you're tempted to hire those rainmakers and to bring people in that, that have a busy book and, right. you know, keep you from focusing on developing systems to grow people uh, where people come to work with you because of the culture, not for how many, you know, walk-ins you have. and um, right. You know, when you when you can make decisions based on those truths, you you know you're heavily weighting the outcome in favor of long term success. If you open a business because you, you're you got money burning a hole in your pocket, but only so much, and you've got to make that note every month, and so you're tempted to kind of make those short term decisions and hire people that might be busy but may, may not be aligned values wise. Right. Then you end up in turnover and a lot more expensive headaches, and you know. You, you, you get to learn those lessons. And so uh, because I've been disciplined with money, I think that's afforded me to be able to 
you know, recover from my mistakes, I guess, if you will. And your mindset. I mean, obviously you have that mindset where whatever it takes, I will not stop whatever it takes. I mean, that, that mindset is, I mean, you really have to be so focused on that where you don't let the little things and all the, the ancillary things kind of, you know, pull you down the day to day stuff. Um, One of the things that, and I want to talk about culture and I want to talk about hiring stylists because I would say probably the most DMs I receive and messages I receive are from salon owners that are having a hard time finding hairstylists for their business. And, you know, I always take it back to branding, culture, systems, leadership, right? You know, these are all of the things that are important. People want to work for someone and they want to be a part of something that is some is bigger than them, right? They want to feel included. So let's talk about that a little bit because obviously you have 40 chairs, you have stylists. What what worked for you? And then maybe what advice would you give to salon owners that are really having a hard time finding hairstylists for their business? Uh, well, the finding stylists, you know, that can be anything from geography. I mean, there is a, a, some truth to that, you know, with the people, the amount of hairdressers that are getting in the business and the amount of money that's being invested in schools is not as heavy as it once was and it's more expensive to run a school these days so i don't know what the facts are about that i just know the 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 sandbox that i'm playing in i can tell you this if you keep your turnover low um and you 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 ask yourself am i the person that the person i'm looking for is looking for you know what i mean like like like, are you able to define your values? Are, are you able to um, articulate the values, purpose, and vision of your company to people when they come through the door so that you give them something to think about where th- they can then identify their own values and see if they're like-minded? And, and if you can articulate those things and you know what they are and your company knows what they are, meaning the people within your tribe know what they are, then you you tend to attract like-minded people. I, you know, we don't have people banging down the door to work at Blow, uh, be straight up with you. It's not like we're turning away people, but, you know, you've heard the old saying, hire slow, fire fast. Um, we, we just had someone that moved from another state. And, you know, when I asked her, I said, um, what is it that you're looking for in a team? And she said, I'm looking for community. That was her number one answer. But then at the, but then at the end of the interview, as, after we went through and sort of talked about the company and what we had to offer, mm-hmm. she said, this all sounds good, but I've got another offer from a salon right now where they're going to put me right on the floor. And so in that moment, you're challenged, you know, you, right. do you, do you, you know, you've got only a few fish coming along and you right. got one on the hook. And so are you going to compromise your values because you're worried about losing them to another corporation or do you, are you courageous enough to remind the person in front of you that when you asked them what they were looking for, the thing, it wasn't money, it was community. And so if, if, you know, I'm able to, and we are able at blow to offer that and we can speak about it. And um, she was able to get to a place where she had to kind of, you know, put that, that short term pull towards the dollar, you know, in check and remind herself that, you know what, it might be worth to take a few steps backwards 
here to go three steps forward. And um, so, you know, what works for me, I think it's just realizing who you are as a company, what your values are, what the purpose of those values are, and what your vision is, and articulate it at nauseum with every opportunity you've got, with every team member you've got, until it becomes ingrained in them where um, your clients experience it when they come in, a new hire, when they come in, they experience it. You give them something new to consider about their career other than how much is my first paycheck going to be and when do I get my chair? Because I don't really care about the answer to that question. I know you can make money at Blow. You know? yeah. It's just, do you fit in the tribe? Do you play nice with others? Absolutely. And I think one key point that you mentioned was that you can't really... First of all, you have to know who you are as a salon owner. You have to know who you are as a brand and you have to understand um, and, and see the vision for the business. And then when you know that, when you know who you are, morals, values, right? You talked about that. And you know who you are as a brand. Yes, you do start to attract those people. Every now and then though, you, you do find someone that comes wandering in that looks great, right? Everything sounds really good and you need someone, right? So you're hiring under duress instead of hiring with clear, a clear eyes and a clear mind. Um, at those moments, it's knowing that you can't compromise who you are, what your brand is and what you stand for. Really standing true to that, I found to be one of the most important things um, in, in my business and being a salon owner is that it's so easy to get swayed when you have a body, right? You have someone in front of you. So easy. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. No problem. It's so easy to get swayed by that because you have someone. And when you need someone, you're like, yes, you see them and they're like, they're perfect. They're amazing. Yeah. You know? But it's really looking at someone in front of you and remembering who you are, what you deliver, and what your purpose and what your brand is, staying true to that and listening to your gut. I found that to be most important too. Just to, to expand on that, um, when, some, when that person that you're speaking of walks through the door, if you're not working on your defining what your values are, what your pur purpose is and what your vision is, if you're just standing there waiting for that person to come in, then when they don't come in or when they're not a good fit, all you end up being reminded of is that you don't have a clear definition mm. of what your values are, what your purpose is, and what the vision is of your organization. And it's being reflected back to you in either the performance of that person when, when they make the decision to come on or their, or their decision to go somewhere else. Wow, that's deep. <laughs> I just really thought, I mean, I thought about that. And, you know, having this conversation with you just brings back so many things for me. And, you know, I, I can, and that's why I just, I relate. I, I walked it. I lived in those shoes and man, did I made some, make some poor decisions when it came to hiring because guess what? I didn't know who I was and I didn't know my brand and what I brought to the table. I was very unclear in the beginning of my business. And so I think the first step for salon owners would really be 
look, there's, there's always going to be, not always, there, there may be challenges with finding stylists, right? This is a thing. This has been going on for years. This is not a new thing. Um, now is the time for you to become very clear on yourself, your brand, your mission, your vision, and uh, what you bring to the table and, and your systems and having a growth strategy for your team members. So when they come in, they know that they're going to grow and they know exactly how they're going to grow because they want to know this stuff. So now is the time to kind of do that. But I love that you said that when someone comes in, it's just a reminder that you kind of have to become more clear, right? On who you are. Yeah. Love it. So let's kind of dive into, um, let's talk about maybe one of the hardest times that you had in your business, what it looked like, what it felt like. Let's talk about our feelings here a little bit and, <laughs> and how you got through it. What got you out and through to the other side? Oh, God. Well, um, I went through a divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my partner was my wife. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, went, we, we split up. And so I had to kind of get through that. Um, that's more of a personal issue. I guess if I'm, I'm talking business, um, just getting out of my own way, man. I mean, that, that's really been the hardest thing and continues to be the hardest thing. You know, I am the weakest link in the organization. I've always felt that way. And I continue to view it that way. Um, you know, being, being, uh, when you first open, you know, you're, you're used to making all the decisions. You're picking out the furniture, you're picking out the floor plan. Like you're the, you're the man or the woman in charge and you love being needed. You know, hairdressers love being needed. And uh, we're like, we're like big brothers and big sisters, you know, and a lot of us like the wounded wings, you know, we hire the wounded ones cause yes. we can fix them, you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, learning all of those lessons uh, ha- has been super painful. But I think um, learning to um, ask versus tell, I think, has probably been the biggest uh, aha for me, the, the biggest discipline that I've had to um, practice and overcome and bring into my conscious consciousness on a daily basis. What I mean by that is, you know, we're uh, hairdressers are emotional people and, um, we tend to, well, I need to own this. I tend to respond to things from an emotional standpoint in the moment. Mm -hmm. And rather than, you know, practicing emotional intelligence and asking myself, Hey, why am I feeling this emotion? Where is it coming from? What's the objective? Like, what's my intention? And uh, learning that an intention without a dedicated action is just an accident waiting to happen. And so aligning my actions with my intentions so that I can gain a desired result versus creating another problem in addition to the one that I'm reacting to based on my reaction. And so I don't know if any of your listeners or you can relate to this sort of ambiguous example, but, you know, uh, oftentimes I would react to a situation or I would react with an answer rather than recognizing that when you, when you tell people, all you're doing is enabling. You're creating a bunch of people that need you, that need to be on the tee. And although it feels good at first, you're never going to grow your business that way. Ultimately, you've got to be humble enough 
to recognize that your job is to be the dumbest person in the room always, mm. you know, to be surrounded by smart people with great ideas and great work ethic and, and great integrity, and then empower them and support them and ask questions, ask um, uh, questions that lead to answers that can lead you to a desired result rather than tell people all the time, well, you should be doing this. Well, why didn't you do this? Or, you know, that ends up destroying a culture and um, people want to grow. You know, you got to give them a chance to, to have autonomy. And we throw that word around a lot, but what it means is self-governing. Mm. It means that you are self-governed. And so if you believe in autonomy, you got, I had to develop the, the courage and the strength to, to really allow people to be self-governed and then walk that walk with them. Wow. Well, so you mentioned that you are the weakest link on your team. I, I want you to kind of just talk about that a little bit because I'm trying to, I don't think I've heard that, uh, you know, with someone saying I'm the weakest link on the team. I'm, I'm really intrigued and interested in your, um, you know, sharing your insight on that. Well, I mean, I'm driving the ship. So, you know, everybody else is, is, dancing on the dance floor with their partners and you know in the titanic they bought their tickets and they're enjoying their meals and i'm up with my hands on the wheel and and i'm responsible for seeing the, the icebergs you know and the bigger you grow it's not like i went to school to run a three and a half million dollar business i mean i'm i'm learning on the fly here and the higher you get in volume and the more people you have to manage uh, you recognize quickly that, you know, you're one decision away from destroying a culture, you know, you, I mean, to be able to organize and create a corporate structure, to give people um, autonomy so that they can grow, to give them a financial path, uh, to just having an HR department. Um, I mean, I, I could go on and on and on and on and on. These are all skill sets that are that I'm not trained to do and as we get further and further and further into it you know uh you it's a lonely endeavor to lead people yeah you know it's lonely yeah. I don't and I'm not looking for sympathy it's just <laughs> you know you, you you have to be able to um you know make good decisions and own them or make decisions and own them and make them the right decisions and uh you know, I don't have experience doing what I'm doing beyond doing it up to this point. Well, so, well obviously you're doing a great job. I mean, you're, you're doing something right. So, you know, that goes to saying for that, but I mean, yeah, I think, you know, when I want to talk about leadership too, because, you know, with, with all of that and, and understanding your mission and, and your vision. And like you said, you know, being a leader is not about making friends. It's not about handing out ice cream. There's a quote about that. Um, I think it's from Steve Jobs. Um, you know, if you, I can't remember the quote, but it's something like, if you want to make friends like this, we're not in the business of ice cream. Like we're in business to grow people and to grow businesses. And at times you have to make tough decisions and decisions that are going to be best for the business, not best for individual people and making decisions based on long-term vision. And, you know, making decisions out, not out of emotion, but based on facts. And that's hard sometimes because you're so right. We're in an emotionally driven business. We're all very emotional people. And so turning off that hairstylist hat and putting on the salon owner cap and the leadership cap sometimes can be very hard. 
What, what in your opinion, because leadership is important. It's, I believe, the basis of having a strong business. Oh, my God, with this. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know how to turn that off, so I'm, I'm sorry. You're going to be getting some ringing through this. <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, so what do you believe maybe or what have you seen or maybe something you missed in leadership that maybe some some salon owners may be missing the mark when it comes to leading a team, leadership in general, um, and just creating that strong leadership type of in, and, and, and culture and environment that's very well led. What, what do you see that maybe is missing in, in the mark on that? Well, I certainly want to be sensitive and, and, and talk about the difference between you know, companies like Microsoft and, and Nike and mm-hmm. you know, Steve Jobs. I mean, there's right. no, Steve Jobs would have run blow into the ground if you read his biography. <laughs> he was not a people person. And he was selling a widget that had an 800% profit margin. In our business, if you do everything right, you're lucky to be above 10. Right. And you, you're selling time. And so uh, it's, to me, it's even harder to run a company like a hair salon in a lot of ways. Now, I don't, I'm, of course, I'm probably speaking naive. I mean, there's a lot that goes into running a company like Apple, but I wish I could work on an 800% margin. That being said, um, leadership to me is not, it's not something that I feel like I've perfected. It's just something that I practice and embrace. And um, I think it starts with asking what you could do differently to garner a desired outcome. You know, so if you didn't get the outcome that you wanted, um, you know, I would articulate that in a, in a very simple example that I think we can all relate to. You know, a client comes in, she sits down in your chair, um, she wants it a little bit lighter, but she doesn't want to go too light. You know, you make a decision based on fear, you put a few highlights in, but you don't want to over blow her hair out kind of thing. And so you send her home and her husband says, why is it brown? And then she comes back and, uh, and you've got to invest your time in redoing it. And you know, you can say to yourself, well, she said she wanted it like this. You know, you can defend and explain, or you can ask yourself, what question could I have asked her in the consultation that could have saved me from this? And it's just a basic discipline to ask, um, uh, to acknowledge and ask versus defend and explain. Uh, That's the first thing that I would say. Um, The next thing is, you know, again, uh, getting out of your own way. I, I feel like um, admitting when I don't know the answer to something. It's like you feel like you've got to have the answer as a leader. And I can't tell you how many times people that are coming up through the management program or the, the mentor program in my salon, where they'll, they'll articulate an answer right away to a question that they've been asked. And then when it when it garners a response that makes the other person not feel so good about themselves, they get it when you say back to them, well, if somebody said that to you, how would you have replied? Or how would you have responded? And they say, oh, I probably wouldn't have felt so good. And it's because they didn't pause and take two seconds and just ask a question rather than having to have the answer. I think admitting that I don't know a lot of things and asking my team what they think has sort of catapulted blow, really. That's why I say, you know, being the weakest link, you know, I mean, you might say, well, that's, that shows strength, but it wasn't always that way. You know, I, I wasn't always that way. So, um, and then I, defining your values. I think that's super important. You know, that's, 
that's new for us is to identify what your values are so that when you have a situation where there's conflict in your culture or you're trying to make a decision that, you know, whether everybody works on Saturday or whether people can have, you know, Fridays off at six, whatever it is, where you, 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 you deal, you address that issue by first identifying what are the five values of the organization. Mm. And when we make a decision, does it pass the smell test of honoring all of these values? And if it doesn't, how can we make a decision that's good for everyone that honors all of these values? And then the other thing it does is, is, is it encourages people to define what their own values are mm. so that they can decide whether, hey, am I a good fit for this organization? Do I like the way this organization makes decisions? Right. Are they making decisions based on the values that they've defined for themselves? I mean, it's a way to hold people accountable, including the business. Yeah. I believe that values are an invitation, not an exclusion. I believe that when you tell people what your values are, it's an invitation to participate in your life. It's not a, oh, you don't have the same values? Well, you got to go your own way. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's that at all. I think more than anything, it's, it's, you know, you see people in relationships who are afraid to ask for what they want, and then they end up becoming a victim of that. Mm -hmm. And, but they aren't willing to take responsibility because they didn't find their voice. I think in our business, if, if, if leaders can define the values of their organization, it gives people the opportunity to participate within those values. And it becomes a very clear, succinct, efficient way to make decisions, to deal with conflict, to, to create systems. I know I'm being a little bit wordy here, but um, I, I just can't <laughs> overstate it. <laughs> no, it's great. And it's very powerful. And I think it's, it's definitely going to resonate because it, it's, it's the truth. I mean, yeah. and it, it is just becoming so clear. It's just becoming so clear on who you are, your vision, your mission, your, your morals and values. And the, the, I can't stress it enough. And I love that you're being wordy about it because it's so true. The more clear you become, the more clear you become. Your business yeah. becomes more clear. Your team becomes more clear. The culture is clear. The outcome is clear. Everything becomes so clear. And so I think we live in this world where everything is so fast paced and so quick and, you know, compare, we have to compare and look at what he's doing or she's doing or look at what they have. Or it, it just, it's especially with social media and I love social media. Don't get me wrong, but we've got to get back to being real people and real people make mistakes, right? That's how it works. But it's learning from those mistakes and coming back and saying, what can I do differently? What can I do better? How can I be a better leader? How can I be a better person? Um, you know, for myself, for my team, for my family, it's really all comes down to that. So I think the takeaway from that is just become very clear mm -hmm. on what it is that you want. And I love that you said, ask, mm -hmm. ask the questions, mm -hmm. whether it's to yourself or to someone that's standing in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, what is, I want to know this, and I love asking this question because, you know, looking back, you know, being an owner for a long time now, what would be something that you wish that you knew you know, going into this whole thing? And what would be one piece of advice, you can wrap it in together if you want to, one piece of advice that you would give to salon owners now? Um, I, I, I'd say probably I wish that I knew that it's not important 
to have the right answer. Mm -hmm. um, it's not important to make the right decision. What's important is the way that you make the decision that you're making it. Mm. How can you, what is it based on? Is it understood? Um, do people feel safe in the environment with the decisions that you're making? And then whatever the result is of that decision, just understand that another decision is going to have to be made. Right. And it's not a, um, a defining moment or an indictment on your business. And it doesn't matter if you're trying to decide what somebody's schedule is or how many hours they need to work, what, what constitutes a full-time employee, how much you're going to pay for education, um, whether somebody can work every other Saturday. Ultimately, the decision does not matter. What matters is how you came to the decision. Right. Um, I think I wish I would have known that early on because, wow. uh, you know, we've endured a lot of uh, heartache along the way. Mm, that's, so. wow. That's great. So, and that, would that be, what's your advice? What if there's a new, what if, hey, what if there's a new salon owner, stylists that are thinking about becoming a salon owner, what would you tell them? Oh, uh, well, I would tell them that you're not in the business of doing hair. You're in the business of building rapport. Boom. And what you are selling is trust. Mm. Um, people, you know, with, with, with the way that brand experiences are and how polarizing they, they are. You know, when you look at Colin Kaepernick, this um, professional athlete from the San Francisco 49ers who was banned from the NFL for kneeling uh, in a protest for social injustice, you have a, a clear example of um, owners who are running organizations based on um, uh, knowing what they have to sell and knowing who their target audience is. I'll, I'll continue with the example, if I may. The NFL um, sells, you know, they sell um, uh, the forearm services and breast cancer awareness and all of their advertisers don't want anything to do with raising awareness for social injustice. They don't want any sort of polarizing figures that can get in the way of their $8 billion product. And I'm not taking a stance on this either way. I want to be clear about that. However, a company like Nike did their market research and they recognized that their client are the youth of America, not the dads buying the shoes. And the youth of America sides with Colin Kaepernick. And so they work towards um, supporting somebody like that. I think getting into my business, it literally took me 14 years to recognize that a receptionist's job is not to book appointments. Her job is not to run a POS. Her job is not to, to, to answer the phone with whatever brand statement you got, like, thank you for choosing Blow. This is Sally. How can I assist you? Her job is not to check in the retail or any of that stuff. Her job is to build rapport. That's it. That's her number one job. All these other things are tasks that anyone can be trained to do. Her job is to connect with someone and ask them, why are you having this updo? Oh, yeah, my sister also has prom this weekend. What's her name? You know, making the connection, seeing and celebrating people 
so that you can build relationships. So what I would tell a, a, um, a new salon owner is to do their true brand story. And this is going to sound like a shameless promotion. I don't mean for it to be, but <laughs> I have the exercise in this book. There's, no, we're going to talk about that soon. There's only one exercise in the book. It's 450 pages. And I, I don't like exercises, but the true defining what your true brand story is, helping identify what your business is so that you can communicate it to your customers and your employees so that they can make a decision of whether they want to be part of your club mm -hmm. um, is something that I wish I knew a long time ago and focusing on an intentional guest experience. Right now, um, we're in a, a place where we've just identified 14 touch points that we have with our uh, customers from uh, when we book their appointment to when they check out. And we're uh, trying to um, heavily weight the outcome in favor of them experiencing one emotion that builds on each touch point, and that emotion is trust. Mm. You know, we believe that customers want to, to trust when they come in. That's the number one thing that they want to experience. And so when you connect with a brand, you connect emotionally. You don't connect with the logo. That's just a mark. You, right. you, you make a decision based on, are you part of that club? Are you proud to be part of that organization? And every single corporation, whether you're a mom and pop hair salon or you're Harley Davidson, you have a brand experience. It's just whether you're intentional about it or not. Right. And what your brand experience means in one sentence, it's how your customers feel about your business. And so my advice for new salon owners is focus on defining what your brand experience is and then curating an intentional experience that builds on that emotion that you feel like you want your guests to experience from beginning to end. I love that. That is so good and so incredibly important for, for stylists to understand. You know, you just can't go in and decorate a salon and show up and hope for the best. You know, it really is sitting down and, and doing a business plan and having your brand strategy and your why and your systems and really knowing and having a clear vision for your, for your business and your future. I love that. That is really, really great advice. So let's, let's talk about the book because I want to know about it. Yeah, it's right it's here. Scoop. It's called Blown Away. Um, you know, I, I sat down with a friend of mine two years ago to write something for my kids. I'm 51 and my parents had me when they were 21. And there's a lot of their lives that I don't know anything about. And I'm only 22 years younger than them. Well, I'm 45 and 51 years older than my two children. And so I, I wanted to write something to them. Um, about their old man and then as well as for, for Blow. And um, it's chock full of lessons in sort of an anecdotal story. It's not, it's not a business book where you read it and say, oh, the top 10 ways to do X, Y, and Z. It's more of an anecdotal entertaining book. But it does talk about um, culture and um, intentional guest experience. And there is one exercise inside of it that helps you, uh, it's a, a one-page exercise that can help you define what your true brand story is. I love it. Yeah. I, and I look, you said you don't like exercises. I love exercises in a do book. You? Like, give do me you? something to do. I'll oh do it. Gosh. I, it always makes me feel like I'm an underachiever because I never do that. <laughs> 
Oh my and the God. best intentions. <laughs> no, but I think that's I think that's awesome. And I think people now are understanding the importance of action, plan of action, you know, yeah. and so exercises like that I think are so key. So where can they, cause, so the book is called Blown Away. Well, Blown Away, what pizza, pot, and a walk around the world taught me about life and leadership. I love it. Where can yeah. they find it? Uh, www.justblownaway.com, J-U-S-T, blownaway.com. And it's available in paperback, hardcover, and an e-reader, Kindle. Very, very cool. I'm actually going to have to check that out. It sounds, it sounds like it's right up my alley and I will do the exercise for sure. Um, where can people find you on Instagram? This um, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, um, blow is Instagram is just blow J U S T B L O. And mm-hmm. the website is just blow.com. And then my name is Brian Nunes, B R Y A N underscore Nunes N U N E S underscore blow B L O. That's my Instagram handle. Perfect. Well, before we check out today, why don't you just tell us what is next for you, for Blow, for the salon, for your team? What's like, what do you have cooking right now? What's going on? Well, um, I developed an app about five years ago that um, uh, it it helps place guests in a salon, particularly new color guests, by procuring images of their existing canvas and their inspiration photos takes about two minutes uh, from their mobile device. And uh, it puts that information in the hands of the hairdressers so that they can make sure that the client is booked for the right amount of time and quoted the accurate price. Um, And so that um, product is taking, getting some traction right now. And I'm really focusing on that. We've got about 50 salons across the country that are using it. And, um, if you if you've got L'Oreal brand customers, they'll be able to um, redeem their level points on a SnapSnip membership. It's twenty five dollars a month. It's a link you put on your website that you can label as new guests or virtual consultation, however you want. And um, yeah, it's a way for you to um, help build trust with your new color guests. Wow, very yeah. cool. I love that. Yeah, so that's that's the main thing we're working on. Plus trying to get uh, this lease signed for this, this new location. Yes, that's got to be very, very exciting for sure. Um, yeah. Man, you've got a lot of stuff cooking, but I mean, this was, I'm just, I'm, I'm so grateful that you were able to take time out of your day. I mean, I just, I, I, I love talking business. I love talking about leadership and sal- being a salon owner and someone who really just going to be transparent about what they've you know, they're walking what they've lived through and, and give really clear uh, and, and honest advice. So thank you so much for spending time with me today. I'm honored for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much. So guys, you know the drill. Make sure you go and follow Brian on Instagram. Follow the salon on Instagram as well. And of course, uh, if you haven't followed me yet, it's Nina Tulio. It's not it's Nina Tulio, it's at Nina Tulio, but at it's Mr. J. Ladner, of course. And thank you all so much for all of the amazing reviews that you've been leaving on iTunes. We're so thankful and grateful for all of you just sharing and, and, and getting everybody, your friends and everybody else uh, listening to our podcast. So if you learned anything from listening to us today, thank you so much again for joining us. But if you learn anything from listening to us today, remember it is okay to live in your truth and remember to always live your life out loud. See you next time.